0: Open your Bibles please to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy the third chapter as we continue today our series on what every Christian needs to know. This is the second message in the series, what every Christian needs to know. Last week we began the series with a look at, am I a Christian for certain? Very foundational to the entire series. And if you left this place last Sunday morning without the certainty in your heart that you belong to Jesus. I hope that that won't happen again today, that you'll respond to the invitation, or at least at the very least get in touch with me or one of our staff members this week. We would like nothing better than to talk with you and share the gospel with you, so give us the opportunity to to do that. This is again today a foundational message to the series As we think about the subject, what does the Christian need to know about the Bible? George Barna is uh, one of the foremost um, pollsters in America today, and on July the 10th, he published his, the results of his annual State of the Bible, a, a result of his study of the habits of Americans in regard to the Bible, So it was the State of the Bible 2018. It's a lengthy report, but I took great encouragement from much of what I read. In in a day of rapidly changing culture, in a day of great turmoil and upheaval, much of what I read brought great encouragement to my heart, including this. Almost half of Americans are Bible users, 48% of Americans are Bible, American adults are Bible users. Now, my joy for that was tempered a bit when I read his description of Bible users. A Bible user is anyone who reads the scripture or studies the scripture at least four times a year. So that is a pretty low bar. However, how, however, Uh, I'm still encouraged because you and I know the power of the Word of God. And if anybody is in the Scripture, even just four times a year, that is a source for great hope and encouragement. Now, being in church doesn't count, by the way. In the poll, those four times had to be... Outside the building, coming in and taking a pew Bible or looking at the screen or even bringing your own Bible doesn't count. So those were four times completely outside the framework of a worship service or a Bible study in a church. So I found that to be um, very encouraging. What I also found encouraging was that 27% of American adults, over one-fourth of all Americans, read the Bible at least three or four times a week. I found that to be very encouraging because you and I know the power of the gospel to change lives. And if over a fourth of our adults in America are reading the Bible three or four times a week, that is exciting, encouraging, and bodes well, at least in some degree, uh, for our future. I also found it very interesting, he divided uh, the population into three places where we live. One is one category: city dwellers. That's folks who live in like Dallas or Houston or or Austin or New York City or someplace like that. And then suburbanites. You know that might be Georgetown or or Round Rock, close to Austin. <clears throat> and then small town or rural folks. Now, I I don't consider us small town or rural, but that's probably where he's got us classified, because we're not a suburban city, and we're certainly not a big city so he's probably got us in that category and it really doesn't matter we're counted in there somewhere but what i found what surprised me is that the largest percent of people who who are bible users at least four times a year are the city dwellers i thought are you kidding me new york city (laughs) i don't mean to insult anybody who might be from new york city today but just surprised me Second was the small town rural folks. And last was the suburbanites. That kind of surprised me too, because that's where most of the mega churches in America are located in the suburbs. But they got the smallest number of folks who actually use the Bible during any given year. And then he divided us up into, uh, geographic territory the south leads the way and we're part of the south that probably doesn't surprise you midwesterners are second westerners are third northeast bottom of the barrel as far as using the bible is concerned there we go back to new york city again okay i i just can't i can't help myself uh often i think about the new york yankees when i'm thinking about this so I, that has nothing to do with the bible believe me Last, and then I'm going to move on from this. He divided us into age groups. The elders, anybody who's 72 or older, he puts you in the elders category. Now, that, that, don't get mad. That's not me. That's him. He did this, not me. Uh, boomers are are the folks who are 53 to 71. So if you're in, that's that's where he's got you. If you're in that age group, Generation X, 34 to 52. And Millennials, we hear a lot about Millennials today, 19 to 33. Guess which group uses the Bible the most? The Boomers. Not the Elders. That surprised me. Elders were second to the Boomers. Then I was surprised that in third was the Millennials, one little percentage point behind the Elders. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but I'm sort of thinking, really? Alright, cause you hear a lot of things, and Mo, a lot of things you hear about the millennials are negative. I'm not saying that's deserved, I'm just saying that's what you hear in regard to things spiritual, in regard to the Bible. One little percentage point behind the elders in the use of the Bible. Last is Gen X, middle age, too busy, whatever. Interesting what George Barna has said. Now the Bible, is the basis for our beliefs as Christians. Why? Because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And what God thinks and says is more important than what anybody else thinks or says. If God exists, and you and I believe that He does, then His thoughts and His words are supreme in importance. And thus, for any subject that he addresses, his words are truth. Now, as we think about the Bible, we know that the Bible is not really one book per se; it is sixty six books in one, and those sixty six books are divided thirty nine in uh, thirty nine in the Old Testament and 26 in in the New Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And that's called the canon of Scripture. And some of those books are history, some are poetry, some are prophecy, some are gospels, wisdom literature, apocalyptic literature, uh, all kinds of divisions for the Scripture. Forty different authors wrote the Bible, all led by the Holy Spirit. Some of them were shepherds, some were kings. Uh, at least one was a doctor. Some were tax collectors, fishermen, prophets, and all kinds of people wrote the Word of God as the Lord led them. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and on three different continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa. And yet the book has a common theme. It has a common theme that focuses on a person called Jesus. And in a moment we'll see how all of that fits together. So as we think about the Bible, we know that it says a lot about itself. So we're going to begin by looking this morning at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Stand with me as we read those two verses in honor of the reading of God's Word. Then you may be seated. Second Timothy chapter three, beginning with verse sixteen. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You may be seated. What does the Christian need to know about the Bible? First of all, the Bible is authoritative. The Bible is authoritative. All of its words are God's words, or as Paul recorded here, the words are God. Breathe. Like in the Old Testament, when we read the words, Thus saith the Lord, or The Lord says. In Exodus chapter 4 verse 22, Moses is standing before Pharaoh, and he says, The Lord says. And you're not Lord, Pharaoh. The Lord says. And then in jo- Joshua chapter 24 verse 2, Joshua is addressing the children of Israel, and he says, The Lord God of Israel says. And then another example would be in Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 9, where Jeremiah records these words, "...the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth." In Hebrews, the 11th chapter in the first verse, the author of Hebrews says, "...in the past God spoke to our ancestors... Through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. So God speaks in many ways. Sometimes God spoke directly to the writer as He did to John when John recorded the book of Revelation. Sometimes God spoke through research as happened with Luke, as he records in the first chapter of his gospel, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And often the words are simply the words of Jesus as reminded, the, as the writers were reminded by the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said would happen in John chapter 14 verse 26. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The writers of scripture came from many backgrounds at different educational levels different styles of writing but what they wrote was authoritative because they the words were god breathed as paul records in the verses that we read a moment ago god claims that the words of scripture are his own where is there a higher authority than that So when we read and speak the words of Scripture, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and awakens the heart of an unbeliever or quickens the heart of a believer or stirs our soul. And I simply challenge you, read it and see. Read it and see. And you already know that. Most of you already know that. The Holy Spirit does not take The words of scripture and make them the word of God. They're already the words of God. The Holy Spirit, however, changes the reader or the listener as we read and listen to the word of God. We have the realization in our hearts, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. So read it, study it, share it with others, Challenge others to read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit takes it from there. Don't assume responsibility that's not yours. You are not the Holy Spirit. I am not the Holy Spirit. I simply do what the Bible tells me to do, to share, and then the Holy Spirit takes it from there in John chapter 17 in verse 17 Jesus said sanctify them my followers sanctify them by the truth your word God is truth and then in second Peter chapter 1 and verses 20 and 21 second Peter chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 Peter records Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, understand, my fellow believers, you and I do not have to be men or women who have the spiritual gift of evangelism in order to share what the Bible says. I am thankful... For those who do have the spiritual gift of evangelism, and I'm always utterly amazed at how God uses them, I do not have the spiritual gift of evangelism, nor do many of you, but that does not, as we say, let us off the hook or give us an excuse or a reason not to share. Because remember, all we are supposed to do is tell what we know. What does the Bible say? Tell what we know, and then... The rest is the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you and I don't have to worry, am I going to mess it up? You're not going to mess it up. Just tell what you know and what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit will take it from there. The hardened heart will not respond, but the heart that is softened by the Holy Spirit will respond. And you'll feel so good because God used you as a part of that experience. Number two. What does every Christian need to know about the Bible? Number two, the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear. Now, granted, some verses and some passages are hard, and they require thought and prayer and Holy Spirit guidance. But understand, all things necessary to becoming a Christian, all things necessary to know how to live and how to grow as a Christian are clear. In Psalm, the 19th Psalm... And verse seven, the psalmist says, the Lord, the word, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, I am under no illusion about myself and my intellect, and I have no problem with putting myself under the umbrella of one For whom the scripture makes wise the simple. Now you can go wherever you want to with that. But I have no problem with saying anything that I know or able to say or able to do in the name of the Lord is because of the wisdom God gives to me. And I hope that's your attitude also. Mark, Mark Twain, that incredible American theologian, Mark Twain said, Most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture they do not understand. But the passages that bother me are those I do understand. (laughs) And believe me, there's plenty to keep us busy with what we do understand, isn't there? It says in verse 16 that the word is useful. Therefore, we know it will be clear so that it will be useful In our lives. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Remember, please remember, 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 remember. Truth is spiritually discerned. It is not so much intellectually discerned as it is spiritually discerned that's why a child can understand that god loves him and he needs jesus as his savior because truth is spiritually discerned so how do you approach scripture with doubt or with a desire to understand God desires that you understand more than you want to know. He wants you to know it's not a game God is playing. Ask Him to reveal clearly all that you need to know, and He will do it. Now, thirdly, as we think about what every Christian needs to know about the Bible, number three, the Bible is necessary. The Bible is necessary. All things necessary to become a Christian... All things necessary to live and grow as a Christian are in the Bible. And we understand also that this is true. Without the Bible, we could not know these things. And so either we read it for ourselves or we hear it from someone else who tells us but in either case everything we need to know about becoming a Christian and about living and growing as a Christian is found in the word of God we read in the bible how we can know God personally in Romans the 10th chapter in verses 4 in verse 14 Paul writes, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, I don't want you to be confused that that means only preachers. Let me reword that if I may dare do so. And how they can hear without someone telling them. And that can be by preaching. That can be by teaching. That can be by personal witness. That can be by writing. That can be by a multitude of methods. And later in the text, it says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And the verse that precedes the two we read when we stood a little while ago, the 15th verse of chapter 3 in 2nd Timothy, Timothy records about... Uh, Paul records about Timothy's upbringing and he said, From infancy, infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. There we go. The words that tell us how to be saved. And Jesus himself said, the Word tells us how to grow. Because in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we understand early on that physically to grow we eat, we drink, and we exercise and spiritually our nourishment comes from the scripture. The scripture provides the source for knowing God's will and for learning about God. There is a such a thing called general revelation that anybody can see in, in creation, Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1, we see the beauty and the awe and the majesty of creation. And something tells us in our hearts there is a God. That's general revelation. But there is also special revelation, or we might want to say specific revelation. And that's when God speaks specifically to us, and He does that through the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. Now, number four. What does every Christian need to know about the Bible? Number four, the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. It is sufficient for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness according to the text that we read a few moments ago. It provides the guidance that we need. The Bible is sufficient. It reveals what sin is, so that's what we don't want to do. It reveals what right is, that's what we do want to do. And most importantly, it points us to Jesus. The Scripture points us to Jesus. Wonderful pastor and author from San Antonio, Max Locato, wrote these words. The Bible has been banned, burned, scoffed, and ridiculed. Scholars have mocked it as foolish. Kings have branded it as illegal. A thousand times over the grave, a thousand times over the grave has been dug and the dirge has begun, but somehow the Bible never stays in the grave. Not only has it survived, it has thrived and it is the single most popular book in all of history and it has been the best selling book in the world for years and years and years. The word the Bible is sufficient. Number five, there are six, so that tells you where we are. Number five, the Bible is unity. The Bible is unity. Now I mentioned this in the introduction. Sixty thirty nine old Testament books, twenty seven New Testament books, forty authors, sixteen hundred years, three continents, three languages, various backgrounds. But unified, unified it's amazing. there is no other book like it, no other book like it, written over that many period, that bit a longer period of time by that many people from that many different places, educational backgrounds vary everything, and yet it is a unity. It has one theme: redemption. It has one hero, Jesus, it has one villain satan and one purpose god's glory unified it all fits together that is one of the proofs of the inspiration of scripture is its unity so what every christian needs to know is the bible is unity and lastly what every christian needs to know about the bible is that the bible is powerful it's powerful If you go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse, it says the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And you go back to Romans again, to the first chapter and the sixteenth verse. And there you find Paul says, for I'm not ashamed... Of the gospel for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. There is a transforming power to the scripture. Most of you know that, don't you? You've experienced it. The Holy Spirit does the transforming. But the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. And our lives are changed from the inside out. I love the well-known story that occurred in one of Billy Graham's crusades in London. A medical doctor who was a skeptic and believed Graham to be a phony... And criticized him frequently to his colleagues who could not imagine anybody wanting to go to a soccer stadium and listen to this man preach, decided one night himself to go so that he might gather more ammunition with which to criticize Billy Graham. When he took his seat, he turned and began to talk to the man next to him who also professed to be a skeptic and said, I don't believe this man, but I have also come to listen. Then Graham began to preach. What did Billy Graham always preach? The Word of God. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. If he said it once, he said it 4.2 billion times. The Bible says over and over again. In Jeremiah, God says, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? As Graham preached his message, the hammer of conviction began to fall throughout the stadium. And the medical doctor who had been ridiculing Billy Graham, when the invitation began and the choir began to sing, Just as I am... The medical doctor turned to the man beside him and said, I don't know about you, but I'm going down there to give my heart to Christ. And the man who was seated next to him said, I am too, and I'll go with you. And oh, by the way, here's your billfold. I am a pickpocket. (laughs) The power of the word... Of God, it is powerful. The Bible is saving for the sinner, sweet for the saint, sufficient for the sufferer and satisfying for the scholar. You can trust it. Try it for yourself. Now I close with this. I believe that most of you in this room as christ's followers read the bible on a daily basis and if that be the case for you don't stop now keep it up but for those in this room who do not i want to challenge you i want you to ch- i want to challenge you to read the bible daily and i want you to start if not today then start tomorrow one way you can do that is to get up 15 minutes earlier than you currently get up. It's not going to kill you. 15 minutes, that's all. Get out of the bed, go to a chair that is not the most comfortable in your home, sit down there and read a little bit of the Bible and pray, and about 15 minutes later, go and do whatever it is you normally do first. Get your shower or get, eat your breakfast or whatever it is you do, go back and do it. Just try it. Now, if you're saying, well, where do I start? Do I start with Genesis? That would be okay, but I do have a suggestion. And that would be that you start with the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest Gospel and gives you the quickest view of the life of Christ. Then read the Gospel of John. Then go to the book of Acts and read about how the Gospel got from there to here. And then read the book of Romans and the book of Philippians. Then go to the Old Testament and read Psalms and Proverbs. And if you're still with it by that time, you don't need anybody to tell you what to do. You'll know and you'll be at it for the rest of your life. I challenge you to do that, church. And if you do, I believe God will bless you and then also bless this congregation in ways that we have yet to see and yet to experience. Now, before we sing our song of invitation, if you're here today without Christ, then that's the greatest need of your life. Jesus died on the cross for you and arose from the grave that your sin might be forgiven, that you might have eternal life. And if this morning you are sensing the tugging of the Holy Spirit at your heart, then when we stand in a moment, I'll be right here at the front. I encourage you to come, place your hand in mine. Say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's Word, and to share with you that today you might become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank You for Your perfect Word. Thank You for Your powerful Word. Thank You for the peace and the joy that we find in Your Word. Thank You for the way to life eternal that we find revealed in Your Word. And I pray that someone will come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus today. And that all of us who already know the Lord will be strengthened and encouraged in our walk. And that there might be some in this room who, if not today, then tomorrow morning will begin on a daily basis to read their Bibles. And, Father, the transforming power of the Word of God will be amazing. And we look forward with anticipation to what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.